0: this week we show enough our amen and at 11:15 in the morning we're going to open to the revelation of Jesus Christ chapter 5 chapter 5 that's where we're going to be at but my text verse isn't coming out of chapter 5 my text verse of all places is coming out of revelation 1 1 the first half of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, and the Bible says, with respect to that first half of that first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him. Has that ever stopped anyone in their tracks, those four words which God gave him? I mean, you think that if you're going to be revealed, like Elise falling down the stairs, something is going to be revealed about you, you're going to do it yourself. She did. But this revelation isn't of Christ's origin, it's of God's. God gave Jesus the revelation. So God decided when to reveal His Son. Why? Why did God choose the time from which to reveal His Son? Why? Well, the rest of that portion of that verse says why. To show his servants what must soon take place. That's us. That's us. So God selected the time and the place to reveal his son Jesus so that we would know what was going to happen very shortly. Of course, we know that God does not use a watch and a daily planner the way we do. So, what must soon take place is relative to God time. Yes? Yeah, it is. If you don't know that, it is. Okay? Here in Revelation 1-1, the word revelation, right there, second word in the verse, is the Greek word apocalypsis, meaning disclosure. That's what revelation means. Disclosure, appearing, coming, manifestation, etc. So, the appearing of Jesus Christ. The disclosure of Jesus Christ. The manifestation of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. The word apocalypse. Which I just talked about actually comes from another word. Boy, this is spiritual, isn't it? Comes from another word, closely related Greek word. Meaning, or, 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 or the word is apocalypto. And that word means to take off the cover. So, up until this point, for those involved, In, essentially, chapter 6 forward through most of the rest of the book. Notice I said most. God set a time and a place to take the cover off Jesus. Okay? Everybody got that? One commentarian noted that, quote, "...the apocalypse of Jesus Christ..." means the unveiling of Christ in His majesty as His glorious appearing. So, Jesus' glorious appearing is the unveiling of Himself in His glory. In other words, to take off the cover. Apocalypto. That's what we're talking about. This is important, okay? This is important because I believe, and this is going to sound a lot like the very first message I preached in this series, but I believe that many of us, many of us, when we pick the Bible up and we begin reading the last book of the Bible, when reading this, the Revelation, we tend to see this book as actively revealing Christ from the very first verse of the very first chapter through chapter 22, verse 21, the end of the book. That We open it up, chapter 1, verse 1, well, Jesus is revealing. We tend to think, whether that be consciously or not, That every single individual from John himself in chapter 1 to the seven churches and their occupants of Asia Minor in chapters 2 and 3 to everyone else mentioned within its pages are being exposed for the very first time to Christ's unveiling. To Christ's appearing. The event where the cover is finally being removed as though everyone in the book had never had Christ revealed to them before. And therefore, revealing Him is the purpose of the book. Like, it's the whole point. To reveal Him to all of us. Sinner and saint. I'm about to throw a bomb right in the middle of this church. In reality, that's not the point of the book at all. Why? Now hold on tight, because you need to hear this. Because there are those within this book, and who had preceded this book, that had had Christ revealed to them prior to the writing of the book of the Revelation. He had been unveiled to many, in fact, even us. Let's look at our text again. Jay, if you can throw that up there. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants. You know, if you put a period right there, that scripture would mean something entirely different. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, period. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. The disclosing of Jesus Christ. The uncovering of Of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants, period. That would mean something entirely different than how it's written in the inspired Word of God. You see, that's not what it says. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants what must soon take place. Notice this verse doesn't say that the revelation is to reveal Christ to his servants, but rather to show his servants what must soon take place. His servants didn't need to have Christ revealed to them. Why? Because they're his servants. They already know him. He's already been revealed to the servants. Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance, listen to this, with my gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ, in keeping with, what? The revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed. And made known through the prophetic writings, by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles, that's you and that's me, might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Again, Paul said in Galatians 1, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. The gospel message of Jesus, when received, hear me, is by revelation. You don't just all of a sudden intellectually walk up to the Bible and go, hmm, I think today I'm going to try Christianity. The reality is, is that when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, you receive it, or not, by revelation in your spirit. You acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, His vicarious death, Burial and resurrection on the cross and you recognize Him as Lord and you as sinner. And that is by revelation. Ephesians chapter 1 says, I keep asking. (laughs) There's a, there's a case for prayer and persistence right there. I keep asking that The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. So not only, based on Ephesians 1, is the gospel and revelation inseparable, but the deepening relationship... Your maturing, my maturing, our maturation process, a deepening relationship with Christ in the life of the Christian is also achieved through ongoing revelation. Now, I'm going to pause right here, Nathan. In the event that someone out there is listening to this and is thinking that the idea of revelation that I'm talking about in these verses is not the same thing as the revelation of Jesus Christ in the book of the Revelation. I think that it's worthy of note at this juncture that the word revelation in these series of scriptures that I just read is the exact same Greek word that is found in Revelation 1 and 1. Apocalypsis. Disclosure. Appearing. Coming. Manifestation and so on. What are you saying? This is what I'm saying. Number one. Jesus isn't Revealing himself in the book of the revelation to his servants. They've already had their revelation. And this very revelation that he's going about conducting in Revelation 1 and 1 that the Father gave him to show us what's gonna, what must happen shortly. That exact same revelation is the exact same disclosure, unveiling, uncovering that happened to our lives when we were lost without God. In sin and darkness, we had Him revealed to us and we were awakened to the reality of Christ. Now... This disclosure, this unveiling, the taking the cover off is the same in our learning of Christ through the gospel as is in the revelation of Jesus Christ to the world. They're the same things. You and I believe in Jesus Christ. We have already had Jesus revealed to us through the gospel message. And what drew us to Jesus Christ through the gospel message, if done properly, see, it wasn't done properly with me, but I'm here nevertheless. Was that he loves us. And he is a forgiver of sins. And He will draw us into eternity with Him. Me, like I told you a couple, three weeks ago, I had the hell scared out of me, literally. That's why I came to the altar. I was scared to death of burning for eternity. Not the best approach. The whole thing that Jesus took the penalty of death on Himself through a cross... Because of His, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, who here is a whosoever, believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That, man, that's how you come to know Jesus right there. That's a good stuff. We have seen the revelation of Jesus Christ in our lives. But in our case, because I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I know what's in the Revelation, the book. And boy, my conversion didn't look like that. My, my conversion wasn't spooky at all. That stuff in there is freaky. In our case, it was a revelation of and a revelation by His grace and love. But revelation nevertheless. The cover of His love, His grace, and His mercy has already been taken off of our eyes. And He has been shown to us. He has already been unveiled for us through the message of the Gospel. So it was with John... Amen. So it was with the seven at one point in time. The purpose of this book isn't to reveal Jesus to us, but rather to show us, His servants, what must soon take place. However, beginning at Revelation chapter 4, the world's opportunity to experience the revealed Christ through the message of the gospel will have passed. At Revelation chapter 4, it will be too late. Grace is gone. Now, judgment will reveal the glorified Christ beginning at Revelation 4. Why Am I pointing any of this out? I thought we were in Revelation 5. Why am I pointing any of this out? Because if he isn't being revealed to John in chapter 1, and he isn't being revealed to the seven in chapters 2 and 3, who represent the church throughout the ages, including us, as we've covered multiple times. And chapter 4 of the Revelation is a view of the throne as well as the occupants of heaven who, incidentally, also don't need to have Jesus revealed to them because they live with the guy. Then, when exactly does the Revelation start? And I'm not talking about dates, I'm talking about in the book. When exactly does the revelation start? If he's going to be revealed, when does this revealing take place? I mean, John, he's doing all of his setup work in chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3 are letters to the seven throughout the ages. Chapter 4 is a view of the throne that is post-rapture of the church. They've been raptured and here they are. And John is looking around going, whoa, hey, wow, wow. Who is that? And he sees a guy on a throne. He sees 24 elders. He sees seven lampstands, the Holy Spirit. He sees four living creatures. He sees how the creatures and the 24 elders react to the one on the throne. He sees all that. So that's certainly not revelation the revelation beginning because we're in heaven in four. When, when does this happen? When exactly is Jesus revealed to the world? If everything before four isn't Him being revealed, what is, when does this happen? Remember Revelation 1, 1a, our, our, our text. Remember how that starts. We're only going to use half of this. This is it. Remember, this is our text verse. This is why I used it this morning. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. That answers your question right there. If your Bibles are not open to chapter 5, open them now. Look at this. I want you to notice John has just got done experiencing the four living creatures. Now, Revelation doesn't say this, but Isaiah does. They're, they're in flight. okay? They're in flight around the throne. And they cry out there, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And every time they do that, these 24 elders, having 24 thrones which are encircling... The one seated on the throne. Every time they do that, they fall down, face down. Boom. Worship the Lord. God. Worship the Lord God. Okay. And then five opens up, and this is what we see. He says, then I saw on the in the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. This is the same one who sat on the throne in the first opening verse or verses of chapter 4. Same guy. Then I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. So God is seated on the throne with a seven-sealed scroll in his right hand. Keeping in mind, two out of three of the Trinity have been revealed already in heaven. The one on the throne and the Holy Spirit. They've shown up. We're missing somebody. We're missing somebody. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice... Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And verse 3 causes heaven to go into a bit of a turmoil. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. Nobody. Here's God seated on His throne with the scroll that no one gets to open because they're unworthy. These are the occupants of heaven who are having this question posed to them. Who's worthy? None of them. None of the occupants of heaven are worthy to take this scroll and open it. The occupants of heaven. Go figure. I, John is speaking, wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to be, to open the scroll or look inside of it. Nobody. Look at five. Then one of the elders, this is the 24 elders, who has fallen down on his face because the Living creatures have gone around circling the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And because of the occupants of the throne, because of his holiness, when it is declared, the 24 fall down before the holiness of God. It's just automatic. But one of these guys, one of these guys, in verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, so he's apparently gotten up, And is addressing John. Either that or he's on his face going, hey John. John, hey, 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 hey. It's one of the two. I tend to think he's gotten up. Why? Because later in chapter 5, he falls down again. So he's on his feet. Do not weep. And this, I think, happened something like this. That elder, speaking to John, points. And he says, see, don't weep. It's okay, don't weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, look. The root of David, look, look, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So in chapter 4, we have God the Father and God the Holy Ghost, but we don't have Jesus. And all of a sudden in chapter 5, we have God the Father on the throne and we see there's the seven lamps, they're there. The Holy Spirit is before the throne. And all of a sudden It's time for something really big to happen. And God sits on the throne with a scroll, but no one can open it up. And John begins to weep because there is something palpable in the air. It's about to go down. And John says, no one can open this. And an elder goes, hey, John, don't cry Look, it's the Lamb of God. He's triumphed. He can open the seals. He can take it from the right hand of God. Look, there He is! Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing in the center of the throne Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, he had seven horns. Horns stand for strength. And he had seven eyes, which means knowledge and omniscience. which are the seven spirits of God. So right now, we've got the Trinity enclosed within one another. Do you see that? Do you see the picture? The one on the throne and the lamb that was slain in the middle of the throne and the seven horns and the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God all in one. Do you see the picture? Don't read it like you're just studying something academically. Read it like you're standing there. Let the Spirit of God touch your spirit and awaken you to the realities of what's going on in this place. Because what's going on in this place is the staging of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at this. Verse 7. Verse 7. He, He, That he right there is the lamb that that looked as though he had been slain. He went. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And I know some of you are sitting here going, so? He went, the Lamb went, and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. Now, didn't we read something about the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave Him? To show His servants what must shortly come to pass. The question, when does this revelation happen? When is God revealed? When is Jesus, I'm sorry, revealed to the world? He's already been revealed to the body of Christ. When is He revealed to the rest of the world? The lost, the unrepentant, those that would curse God to His face. The lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. God gave him the scroll. It's okay if you want to clap. It's all right. It doesn't bother me. When does the revelation happen? As soon as that revelation that was given to him starts getting cracked open. me get to a place here where I can continue on. This series, these verses that I'm reading right now, these verses in chapter 5, these tend to give, shed brand new light onto the Revelation 1 and 1. You see, the Revelation wasn't Jesus' idea. It was given to him by his Father. Right? Right? The Bible says, given to him, which God gave him. The one seated on the throne has the scroll, and he gives it to the lamb who comes up to the throne and takes it. Well, now we're about to see some revealing. Now the revealing is going to start happening. Hasn't happened yet, but it's about to start happening now. In chapter 4, heaven is making a transition from grace to judgment. That judgment taking on the shape and the form of the apocalypse, the revelation. Then chapter 5 is the introduction of the one who is to be revealed to all the earth. And then all of heaven's subsequent reaction to that one to be revealed just moments before the revealing. That's what chapter 5 is. The whole chapter is the introduction of the one to be revealed. And once he makes his appearance and takes the revelation from the hand of the Father who gave it to him, heaven reacts. It's the rest of chapter five. Heaven reacts to the, to the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice. That the four living creatures, now we haven't read this yet, we could, but maybe you can read it later. Notice that the four living creatures for the first time, for the first time in verse 8, beginning in verse 8 and down, for the first time and no one knows except for God. They stop circling the throne. And they stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They stop this. in First time in countless millennium. They stop. They've suddenly just up and halted this ancient ritual. The 24 elders... Read it. The 24 elders have stopped their reaction to the cries of the four living creatures. And all of them together have changed their ancient routine. And all of them have fallen down with their harps and their golden bowls. And they begin to sing what the Bible calls a new song. A song that's never been sung before. It's a new song. This new song marks yet another transition being made in heaven. You see, the first transition was made in chapter 4. When heaven transitioned from a posture of grace to a posture of judgment. After the rapture of the church. Before the rapture of the church, heaven's posture was grace and mercy and love. But now in chapter 4, when the rapture of the church takes place, heaven takes on a different posture. It's a posture of judgment. But this, the second transition, is made here in chapter 5, where heaven transitions from celebrating... Listen the holiness of the one seated on the throne to the worthiness of the one who approaches the throne. Transition is made. This transition is to declare that the Lamb is worthy, one, to take the scroll, and that He is worthy to, two, open the scroll's seven seals. In other words, they are singing that the Lamb is worthy to begin the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I get the distinct impression in this house that you're not sure about what I just said. And that is okay. I am telling you right now that when we get into chapter 6, all of a sudden, I need to say it again. I just got to say this again. Try to get your spirits in line with what the Word of God is painting for you in terms of word picture. Try to get there. John is in heaven. And he looks and he sees not a one on the throne, but the one he saw when he first got there. He's sitting on the throne. He sees him. And that one is holding a scroll with seven seals. So far, everything has happened in the spirit or in heaven proper. That's what's happened. It's either happened in the spirit or it's happened in heaven's premises. And in chapter five, we're still on property in heaven. And he says that one on the throne. He's got a he's he, he's got a, a a scroll, and it's got seven seals sealing that scroll. Who's here? Who can open the scroll? Nobody. Oh God, help us! I'm I'm acting it out now. Is everybody get? Yeah. Elder, it's cool. He's here. It's cool. He's here. He's right there. As though he was slain, but yet he is alive, approaches the throne, and the father reaches out, and the son reaches up, and they exchange this gift known as the revelation of Jesus Christ. So far, no one's had anything revealed to them at all. But all of a sudden, in chapter 6... There's some seals starting to get broken. And heaven reacts. It's him. It's him. Beginning in verse 8, chapter 5, the, f- the four living creatures who are flying fall to the throne room floor. Pow! They stop singing holy. The, the 24 elders, they bow before him and, but, and, and they sing a new song. And listen, listen what they're saying. They're declaring the worthiness of this lamb. You are worthy. Verse 9. To take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. That's why he's worthy. Because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God. <laughs> I love that line. And with your blood you purchased men for God. From every tribe and every language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests. Why? To serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then after this little praise and worship service goes on with the four creatures and the 24 elders. Well, someone else just has to bust off and start up another one. Sounds like a bunch of Pentecostals. Then I looked and heard, verse 11, the voice of many angels. First it was the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Now it's many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, so they crowded around the place. And the living creatures and the elders, in a loud voice, they sang. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Well, that isn't enough. Because in verse 13, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne. We sing this song. We sing this song. To Him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. We say, be blessing and honor and glory and power forever. That's our song. But they say, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. (laughs) What do the four living creatures say? Is that up there? I need a stronger prescription on these glasses. I love this. The four living creatures said, Amen. Amen. The four living creatures, they have been circling the throne of God for countless eons. And I heard a man, and I've shared this a hundred times here but there are people here who weren't there during the hundred times so I'm going to share it again. These four living creatures are circling the throne of God and I was in a meeting with Ron Stokes back in 2000 and we were at a worship institute Lamar Boschman's Worship Institute is up in DFW at the airport, actually. And I'm trying to remember his his name. Bishop somebody, Garlington, Joseph Garlington. Bishop Joseph Garlington was preaching that night, and he was talking about these four. The same four that are in Isaiah 6 are in Revelation 4 and 5. The same ones. And he said, why would they go around for millennium without count, chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is full of His glory. Why would they do that? Can you say the perfect and ultimate boring job? Unless you grasp the fact that every time those four creatures would pass around before the Lord, they would see a new and fresh revelation of who He is and another facet of His character and His nature that they had never seen before. And it would blow their minds and they'd say, Oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty! And then they'd pass around again, Oh, did you see that? Holy, holy. Holy! Holy! And the Bible says that, that the pillars of the temple would shake at their cries because they were such powerful entities in the throne. And that smoke filled the place. Every time they saw a new thing of God, they would cry out, Holy. Holy. And they've been doing it forever and ever, and ever. And they get to chapter 4 or 5 of the Revelation when the Lamb that was slain appears in the middle of the throne and they stop and they come crashing to the floor of the throne of God and they all they can say is... You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. That's the best they've got. Trying to describe what they see. We look at people in heaven. We look at the creatures in heaven. And we think of them as ultimately, indescribably marvelous. But in reality, they're just as mind blown about God as we are. And they coexist with Him. And the elders, do you think that the elders would get tired of falling on their faces every time the creatures cry out, Holy? You think they'd get tired of it? But when the creatures would cry out, Holy, and they see something brand new, Holy, Holy, And they would cry it out and this place would shake in the power of their declaration. The 24 couldn't do anything but react by falling on their faces because they couldn't stay upright. Now I know when we get to heaven, when chapter 4 of the Revelation happens and the one who has the voice of the trumpet calls us to come up here and we make it there, And we are thrust through the door of heaven into the presence of God Almighty. We're gonna see 24 elders with brick marks all over their faces because they've spent countless times falling on their face before God because they can't stay upright in His presence. My God in heaven. Now listen, we're going off script. And then I'm going to close. Chapter 6, verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. That's when the revelation starts. Right there. You see... We've already had our revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when we see Him face to face, we will be like Him as He is. That's the Bible. But we are not strangers to Him. He has revealed Himself to us. Yes? So who's left to be revealed? Who's left to see the revelation of Jesus Christ? Well, those left on earth. And what an unfortunate revelation that will be. Beginning in chapter 6, verse 1. Stand with me this morning. We we need to see Him as He is, brothers and sisters. If you're a person who is pro-religion, then that is either a good thing or it is a bad thing. Because it can be a good thing because the Bible tells us that true religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. That's a good thing to to carry that out. The other thing is that you treat your Jesus and all that is within him merely as a religious ceremony. That's a bad thing. Amen. How many has how many of you have ever just avoided the revelation of Jesus Christ like the plague because it's just confusing and it's scary and it's like I got one hand go ahead you can you can raise you're not embarrassed those most of the people that aren't raising their hands should be raising their hands too, but the reality of the the revelation of Jesus Christ is that. We are privy, you and I, think about this now, you and I are privy to the plans of God for the future. As declared, Betty, in verse 1 of chapter 1. Why be afraid of that? Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you administer right now. Lord, I know that this was... Different, But Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, as we speak right now, Lord God, that you would help us to see anew, that you would help us to see fresh what this book is actually about. And Father, that because you gave Jesus the revelation to show the servants... What must soon take place? Father, I pray we take that bit of Scripture to heart. Because we need to understand what is shortly to come and shortly to take place. Not because we're in threat. Not because we're in danger of something. We're your children, blood-bought by that very lamb who was as though he was slain, who took that scroll from your hand, Father. He bought us. That's what the 24 elders and the four uh, creatures said. You purchased men to, for God to serve God. That was their new song. And Father, I pray right now that we understand that the revelation is about going about the master's business until the one who has the voice of the trumpet says, come up here. And Father, I pray last week those who were given gifts, who called out for gifts, some of them wanting to operate in the spirit, some of them wanting to do exploits for you. Father, I pray right now that you would in power begin answering those prayers. Because, Lord, we need to be about the Master's business because these things must soon come to pass. We don't know when. Nobody does. You do. But we don't. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would help us to grasp what your Word is saying. That we'd get it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Is there anybody in this house today that does not know Jesus Christ? If you don't know Jesus Christ you need to make it a point to come to know Him. Because the things that we talked about this morning, the things that we've been talking about, those things are going to happen. Some of them already have. Chapter 1, chapters 2 and 3. 2 and 3 are ongoing, in fact. The latter part of 3 specifically. But right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this isn't about religion. This isn't about being a goody two-shoe. This isn't about doing nonsense like that. This isn't about sending money in to a TV preacher. It is not about any of that. And I don't care where you come from, what religious tradition you herald from. I couldn't give a flip. And the bottom line is, is neither can God. He wants people who are lost to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to come to heaven and access God the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that Lamb who was slain. That's all he cares about, getting you there, repenting of sin, recognizing the fact that you're lost without Christ and that through Christ and Christ alone you're going to get to God the Father. That's it. There isn't another way. I don't care who says what. There isn't another way. And I'm just asking, if you don't know Him, you need to find Him. Because Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, I stand at the door and knock. My father-in-law came into my office this past week and he said you know I found something really interesting he said you know there's this old famous painting about Revelation 320 and every one of you know it it's it's been around forever it just shows Jesus up against a door and he's knocking he says you know what someone pointed out that there's no doorknob on the outside of that door I thought that was kind of fascinating I said yeah I've seen that before I I know that. What what, What am I saying? I'm saying this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, He's not barging in on you. You have to open the door to Him. You have to make a decision to come to know Him and to accept His invitation and allow Him to come into your life. If you don't know Him, you don't want to do this now, don't wait long. You never know because you are not promised tomorrow. Neither am I. Nobody is. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we give you thanks. And Lord, I just ask right now in Jesus' name that, Father, you would take this body and that we would go from here and that we would be light in a dark place. That we would show the love of Jesus Christ. Not, not being critical, not being gossips, not being angry, not all that. Showing the love of Christ and being lights in a dark place. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. It's very good to see you all.